conservative, we should own as much as liberals. Like, we are Christians. You know, whatever your political tendencies are, uh, taking care of the needy is not a political it's not a political bent. It's just uh, something that we're told to do. And, well, I suppose it is political, but it's, it's heavenly politics. Hello and welcome to the Together podcast, a conversation about faith, justice and how to change the world. I'm Dan and today I'm joined once again by Emma and Chris. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Great. So in this episode, we'll be hearing from Gareth, one of the founders of Ren Collective. He shared the journey of taking Ren from meeting up with a bunch of friends to touring around the world. There's plenty of nuggets of wisdom, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But first up, it's time for Emma's Dilemmas. Okay, guys, so today my dilemma is related to it being January. We're getting comfy and cosy. We've had the extreme rush of Christmas and now we're all just staying in. So my dilemma today is, would you rather have all of your clothes fit perfectly or have the most comfortable pillow, blankets and sheets in existence? So imagine every item of clothing you put on, it just fitted you so perfectly and it just felt amazing. Or you have the most comfortable blanket sheets and pillows in existence. I feel like that would really revolutionise shopping for jeans. Like if we just knew mm. that pair of jeans is just like, like it just fits to a T. That's a big improvement on my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> It is, but then don't you think like the sleep that you would have in that ultra soft pillow? (laughs) I do like sleeping a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know, is there a cost of choosing one of the options? So if I choose the pillows, do none of my clothes ever fit right? And if I choose the clothes, do I have to sleep on really uncomfortable pillows? No, we're just going to go with like just average, like average of both. Okay. Um, I would probably say pillows, sheets... Because there's no better feeling, is there, when you know, you've had a long day. You've had a long day and um, you've, I say a long day, you've stayed in your house all day and done nothing. But it's been a long day inside and then you're tired, you think, I'm going to get an early night. So you jump straight in. I'm just laughing because I'm imagining <laughs> if you did go with the other scenario of all of your other stuff then doesn't fit properly, <laughs> that you basically just walking around in like massive clothes all the time. <laughs> You're like, but I've had a great sleep, so it's fine, guys. <laughs> well, that's what that's what I was getting at because if there was a cost, then I would say clothes because I don't want to be uncomfortable mm. all day. But if if the difference is, you know, I'm kind of mostly comfortable in what I'm wearing at the moment, but I also have amazing pillow sheets, duvet, then definitely that option. But if, if you know, I'm walking around in what is essentially a crop top um, <laughs> and really tight jeans, there's many reasons why that wouldn't be advisable. So I would therefore go for the clothes one. But if that's not a consideration, I'm going pillows, sheets, duvet. Okay, fair. So Chris has gone clothes, Dan's yeah. gone bedding. What about you, Emma? Um, I think I'd have to go with the clothes as well, you know. Oh, although, no, no, maybe the sheets, because, you know, like that feeling 
when you just look at your bed and you're like, I can't wait to get in there. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and then like you pull the duvet over and it's just so cozy. So yeah, maybe, oh, I don't know. Wait, do you I'm both currently have like really soft bedding already? Is this something you've already experienced? I think I've got like one set that's like the the OG set. <laughs> yeah. And I remember the moment when I realised how expensive bedding was oh, coming out of like being a student and just buying it in Tesco for like £10 <laughs> or whatever. And then now my wife's like, oh, yeah, we need to get these from this place because they're really comfortable and great and all that kind of thing. And it's like, whoa, have to take out a mortgage. But when I was a teenager... Not a teenager, but when I was like 18, I worked in Marks and Spencers and I worked in the homeware department and I used to go around and like <laughs> stroke the like sheets and the blankets. <laughs> and then I remember I actually bought a whole bed set and I was still like living at home with my mum and dad, but I bought this like supreme like duvet set with my staff discount. And my mum was like, what are you like? Why did you buy this? I was like, it's just so soft. <laughs> But it's still at her house. She's still got it. I should have taken that with me. <laughs> I, I did actually hear on the news that case of the weird m and They just used to go around stroking all of the different things. <laughs> just like an odd person. Yeah, you but... wouldn't get away with that this year. You, I think you'd lose your job. Yeah, yeah. you would. What yeah. a rubbish job that would be then if you can't even touch any of the blankets. <laughs> What's the point? It's the only reason you do it. <laughs> yeah. I think I was my whole kind of world of bedding was opened up um, recently. My my wife's pregnant at the moment, and there's a there's apparently a thing where you have a pregnancy pillow, and it's a really long and thin pillow that you have like you kind of hold horizontally. And one day I woke up and I was just there cuddling this pillow. <laughs> and as I as I woke up, I was like, "This is the most comfortable thing I've ever experienced." And so now I'm generally considering just buying one and also just being a, a real advocate for for them to anyone I meet. Just say, it doesn't matter if you're pregnant or not. Just like buy them. They're so comfortable. Just a pillow. Love it. Great. So thank you, Emma, for this week's dilemma. If you're listening at home and want to share your opinion or even submit your own question, head to We Are Tear Fund on Instagram and leave us a message. But now it's time to listen to Chris's conversation with Gareth. <laughs> My name is Gareth, and I am from the band Rain Collective. Um, I'm the oldest in the band, so I don't know if that makes me the the wisest or just the ugliest. (laughs) Uh, And I play drums as well and write the songs with Chris. I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for wisest. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd like I'd appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. That makes me feel better. <laughs> Good. Well, I mean, I, I've known of Rend for a long time. I think the first time I saw you guys play was back in about 2010. Oh, goodness. You were there from the start? Yeah. So yeah, I, I remember I was, I think it was a CU event, some sort of like thing in a field somewhere, as Christians like to do. And um, I remember you guys played that this very stripped down acoustic set because the the time got too late because it was after hours and the residents nearby were like turn down on rock and roll we don't want none of that yeah 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 exactly exactly none of that please no thank you <laughs> and then the last time i saw you 
it was actually in 2018. I was visiting a friend in Dublin. Oh yeah, okay. But yeah, it was your your guys kind of like homecoming show, and it was like huge. Like you had confetti. You were filming a video. Two very different like kind of kind of gigs that I see you guys at. For you, what has that journey looked like from from all the way from that field up to like doing like huge arena tours and stuff like that? Goodness, um, it's been a it's been a weird old a weird old time, you know. Starting back in 2010, we had no idea at all that we would be um, playing. And, you know, in big venues, I don't even think it was on our on our radar. Yeah. I, I, so it, it's been a journey for us. Um, I don't know. You know, the, the funniest probably, the, the funniest thing about it all, I think, is that we still play a lot in the U.S. Mm. And when we're in the U.S., we almost still feel like we're that band from 10 <laughs> years ago. You know, because the U.S. is such a big country and there's so many bands. Yeah. There's so many things going on that I, th- I think we still feel like uh, nobody's really heard of us or likes us. <laughs> and then when we leave the U.S. and we play anywhere else, we're like, oh, wow. No, there are actually people. <laughs> there are actually people who like us. That's cool. So it's it's a it's a funny world. I can't really get my head around it all, but yeah. um, you know, uh, it it certainly makes coming home to the UK and Ireland uh, our favorite our favorite time of year. Yeah, awesome. And I, you said there, like, even you just mentioned that you were you weren't really ever expecting to kind of do this kind of as like a as a job, I guess. And I know you guys started back in like 2002, almost just as like friends just meeting up together. Right. When did the like switch happen for you? When did you start to think, oh, actually, maybe there's something bigger here? Or not even necessarily big. I don't want to use the word big or small. Right. But maybe there's something else God has here for us. Uh, we um, we started Rand as kind of a way to, to get our, um, basically the people who we had grown up with in church seemed to be disappearing from church whenever they reached about 18 or 19. And mm. uh, for me, I had a, had a real significant encounter with the Holy Spirit and felt like, uh, you know, my faith was, my faith was alive. Um, and it was, and, and I, I felt like a lot of my friends, you know, hadn't had those experiences and then were just walking away from God. So we started, we started doing rand uh, for people who were, leaving church who were our age there was because a, a church service really whenever you're 18 you've come out of youth fellowship or whatever that is and yeah. you know you've had that real buzz uh, and then suddenly you're kind of just thrown into like a church with people with you know kids you know families and you, you don't connect with the, even the messaging a lot of the time that's being shared on a sunday service mm. um so that's why we started Rand, and it was in that sort of time where nobody had, nobody was really doing that. Nobody was thinking about people in their twenties. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we started that, and we were doing it for years, and we just saw it grow and people coming. But it, the funny thing is, at that time, um, we were playing in a band, just a regular band, playing mm-hmm. in bars and playing our own music, and we were kind of like. Uh, Biffy Claro wannabes for anybody who was into that sort of time frame of music. It was just ridiculously complicated and heavy guitars. And 
uh, with spiritual language, but but not a Christian band or anything. Mm. And uh, but we were leading worship at Rand every yeah. Sunday, and I was speaking, and I came to stage after about five years where the other band <laughs> wasn't really doing that much, but we were we were going, why are we why are we just playing Tim Hughes and Matt Redmond songs? Uh, you know. Should we be writing songs for our community and from our experiences? Mm. And and that's when we started doing what what we were doing. Um, and not to say that Tim Hughes songs or Matt Rebin songs weren't perfect for the time, uh, but more um, we it felt like we needed to express ourselves as well as mm. join in a corporate uh, sense with global church songs. Mm. So we started writing our own stuff, and you know. And, uh, I think that was the moment where we thought this is important. This is something we should do, but we never imagined that it would become like our jobs. That just wasn't on on our radar. So, yeah. I th- I think that's where we very much saw God. Then, I mean, of course, you signed a record deal. We signed a record deal with. Um, I was going to say with Furious Records. It was almost with Furious Records. Um, they had just partnered with um, Kingsway. Okay, and yeah. so we signed with them, and that was us off. Uh, and, uh, of course, when you do something like that, you're still expectant for God to use it, but we never mm. knew that we would be doing it as our jobs. Yeah, and you, and you mentioned kind of about that lack of, I guess, diversity, in a sense, in terms of like what a church was uh, offering people, whether it be through even just what they talk about, whether it be through music, whether it be you know, in all these different aspects. Do you think that's changed now? I know it's like, I mean, that's like 20 odd years later. Do you feel like the church has gotten better in that regard in terms of speaking to young adults, in terms of actually not just taking the whatever's happening in England somewhere as like the overarching picture of worship? Do you think right. the church has moved on from that? Yeah, I think I think we've, we've started to notice that... There's a lot more things for that age, uh, and I think that's been hugely, hugely important. It, it's such a pivotal time. I mean, um, because that's the moment where you go from the black and whites of faith in mm. your teenage years, where you're arguing with your parents, where you don't understand why your parents can't see how plain and simple it is that mm. you're, you know, that God heals and that God, um, you know, can save anybody and you know all the black and whites and mm-hmm. then suddenly you come face to face with a world which is quite brutal in yeah. a lot of senses and um where you see you have a lot of experiences of doubt and um you really yes that age group really needs help to map through that otherwise mm. you just throw the baby out with the bathwater rather than realizing there is something beautiful there yeah and something important and true you know and as a as a member of the group, and I don't know how much you want to speak on behalf of the group, but what were, I guess, some of those doubts? What were some of those things that were shaking you guys about and kind of making you think, well, we've got to write differently. We've got to do something differently. Right, yeah. I think I think the experience of um, life not being like a linear line, mm. you've always been taught about God's will. And so you're immediately going, well, God's will, you know, for my life, what is God's will for your life? I think that's a dumb question. <laughs> you know, how about what is God's will for this week? Mm. You, you know, or what is God's will for the next five years? Yeah. Um, for your life? Like, that's a really unfair 
question to thrust <laughs> on, on anybody. <laughs> Never mind God. You know what I mean? If he's thinking, well, you've got, you know, 70 years left or, you know, 50, 50 years if you keep eating Greg's sausage rolls, you know, um, <laughs> And suddenly you're meant to, at the age of, you know, early 20s, know, uh, as you've been told as a teenager, what's God's will for your life. Um, yeah. I think a lot of those things uh, started to come into question. I, I, we had seen, you know, um, friends killed tragically, mm. people people lose, you know, um, uh, babies, um, mm. you know, you experience like at that sort of age, you've got your grandparents that, you know, uh, are getting sick, maybe getting old, um, mm. all those sorts of things about life, and also then you're thrust into that world, aren't you, of um, university and uh, meeting people who are different than you, who think differently mm. than you, who have different experiences. I mean, I remember the first time I went to China, yeah, um, and I didn't bring back the coronavirus just to let you all know who it was. It was <laughs> <Patient> zero. <laughs> It was 15 years ago, okay? It was only it was only COVID-8 then. <laughs> um, but um, I remember walking in to out of the airport into the hotel or the hostel that I was in thinking, my goodness, here's one billion people who don't believe what I believe. Mm. And, and so I, I think within all of that, you've got all those experiences coming in and we're expecting young adults to be able to map that themselves. That's... It's it's not really fair, mm. um, and certainly we felt like no one mentored or helped us, so we wanted to try and do that through songs, yeah, and uh, you know through things like that. And it's hard, it's hard through a song uh, to do that, but we try our best. Sorry, my four year olds just walked in. Stop <laughs> there, I'm doing a video. Can you leave, please? Okay. Okay, sorry. I don't know what's going on. Well, this is the joy of working from home. Uh, I, have, I have three kids, and one of them has just decided that uh, to use the toilet right exactly where I'm sitting. So there you go. No worries. <laughs> All good. I can edit it's that real. Out. It's real and raw here, folks. <laughs> Love it. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I think you're so right about kind of that realization of getting to your late teens, early twenties, and kind of feeling like wow, there's this whole world that kind of like seems to confront everything that I believe. And I guess a big part of that is also, I guess, coming face to face with the injustice in the world, with the brokenness of the world. And I remember the last time I saw you guys in Dublin, you actually stopped the con- like your gig like mid-set and you took up like a donation for a charity that you were working with. Right. Can you explain a bit about I've like I've never been to a gig where that's happened. So would you can you right. explain a bit about the thinking behind that? Why did you guys think that was so important not only to do but to do like right in the center of your set? Yeah. Um I guess for us worship is a is a doing word. It's it's not a it's not just about singing about something and mm. and uh, for us, I think it would feel very hollow if all we did was sing about uh, justice and sing about you know the kingdom of God and not actually take part in trying mm. to help build it. So, you know, we've had that as part of our um, set now probably for seven years mm. uh, or eight, eight years, uh, working with you know different charities and trying to highlight uh, different things. It's an awkward thing because of course it's a concert and and you're just you're trying to balance all of those things. But mm. the lovely thing about the gospel is that 
it's not something about being here in America at the minute is something I try to communicate a lot. This is not about politics. Helping people who are in need is not... I can't really remember. We don't have this mindset at home, but in the mm. U.S., there would be more of a, those leanings are very um, socialist tendencies, mm. maybe left-wing tendencies, all of this sort of stuff. Mm. And um, for us, we find that so strange as Christians because it's Jesus talks about the poor. Yeah. He talks like not that it's an option, but that it is our responsibility. Mm. Um, so that's that's what we do as a show. We want to try and incorporate as, uh, a whole picture of the gospel as much as we can. Um, in you know, in ninety minutes of a concert or in three and a half minutes of a song. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And how have you found that? You went, you touched on it slightly there, kind of like the difference between, I guess, like a UK crowd and being in the US. How have you found? I guess, having your very justice-forward face uh, kind of presented in the in the U.S. church, particularly in 2020, which has been one of the most like divisive political years that we've seen. How, how have you found that? Uh, you know, um, we can get away with anything because we're Irish. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you know... Uh, they might be worried if we were English that the empire was trying to come back. And uh, as our friend Ben Cooley made hats, he, he said, uh, make America great Britain again. Which, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been nice as an outsider's perspective, as an outsider to be able to just be blunt about things. I, mm. I've had conversations and, and with people were. I can just say, well, I just think that that's, um, I just think that's an American mindset or or a worldview. And here's here's some of the things that Jesus said on this that actually, mm. as uh, conservatives, we should own as much as liberals. Like we are Christians, mm. you know, whatever your political tendencies are, uh, taking care of the needy is not a political is not a political bent. It's mm. just uh, something that we're told to do. And well, I suppose it is political, but it's it's heavenly politics mm. you know yeah that's really interesting I, I love the idea of like just because you come from outside of that context it almost gives you more authority to just be like now nah, what you're talking about is rubbish <laughs> yeah <laughs> well also also you know uh we do it with a smile on our face and make a joke <laughs> about it so uh they i think i think um i think delivery is maybe important too <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> For sure, and I guess one of the one of those other areas that I've I've seen you guys be critical of the church worldwide, um, or particularly more in the Western church, is kind of our struggle to lament properly in right. the Western yeah. church. Do you want to expand a bit on that? Why do you think there is that struggle, and why is it important that we get to grips with that? Yeah, I, I, lament is being honest about your negative feelings. And we really felt that as a band who talks a lot about joy and celebration, um, that to fully um, to fully be able to be honest and do those things, you also have to be honest about the negative feelings mm. and take the time to be able to you know focus on that. Mm. Um, so we, uh, uh, when you read the Psalms, I mean, there are so many laments. Yeah. And uh, if we just think that God's there for the good times, <laughs> you know, then 
there's a lot more times of struggle than there are good times. I would say life is a struggle. Mm. Um, uh, from the moment we're born till the the moment that we die, life is a struggle. Mm. And um, if we're not learning to lament and to be able to take stock of the negative things, pray through them, tell our honest frustrations with God, um, it really damages our mental health. And for me, the scripture um, now... The funny thing about all of the all of the scientific information that we have about mental health and all of the research just comes back to what the Bible said five thousand years ago on mm. things, you know, or or two thousand years ago. And I, I think that when we do lament and we walk through things properly with God and we talk about our honesty and we talk about our struggles, that's when we actually really grow and really find peace. One hundred percent. And that's obviously been something that's so important for this year. Uh, what right. a wild year. You guys released an album just in March, uh, just before everything kicked off, Choose to Worship. And it kind of came out this perfect time because it felt like, yeah, everyone's really got to make that choice to worship this year. Right. It's not, it's not as, like you said, it's been, a, it's been a year of kind of struggle. How did that hit you guys? I mean, I'm sure you had a tour lined up and everything. What was it like kind of going through the motions of that? Yeah, uh- pretty brutal we we had a world tour this was our first ever like year of world tour so we were really excited about it Mm. um we started in new zealand and australia uh we were about to go to asia um and then with the coronavirus uh things kicking off we we didn't do um the asia part Mm -hmm. we came back and then we were meant to do 40 dates in the u.s and then come over and do UK and Europe. And the UK and Europe ticket sales and shows were the biggest things we've ever done. Yeah. yeah. One of them was one of them was about to be eleven thousand people. Wow. You know, so we were excited. Yeah. Uh and we got one week into the US tour and then we just had to call it. So yeah, it was pretty it was pretty disappointing. Um for someone like me who is a, a Likes to be productive and likes to achieve and likes to do things. Mm. Um, I, I found it a real a real struggle to just suddenly uh, not do anything. Yeah. So you know, I was out out in the garden putting paving stones down and <laughs> you know <laughs> DIY. Um, uh, and then we're, I was like, "All right, guys, we got to do a Christmas album." <laughs> I, I, not only am I getting bored, but this year we're going to need some celebration near the end of the year. So we yeah. started working on a Christmas record and that, I mean, that was fun, but it didn't take up that much time. There's like, yeah. we're used to being busy, busy. Yeah. Uh, so a, a disappointing time, but also just a, a real, um, a real growth time. I think that's how everybody's sort of felt. You, you learn to pivot, you learn to mm-hmm. do different things. We started a thing called the socially distant worship club, yeah, and um, the first couple of weeks we had you know over a million people tuning in, um, yeah. which was awesome. Uh, that that was something where it's not just about being successful for success's sake, but mm-hmm. more like being useful and purposeful with your life for the kingdom of God and for the betterment of humanity yeah. is kind of what what we want to do, and and so that was really cool to do that. Um, and be part of all of that. So it's, uh, you know, it's been an interesting time. I, I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if this year hadn't happened, 
if I would be any different human being. I'm not saying I've, I'm so much deeper or so much more. Yeah. I think I've just really, um, we've all just tried to learn to get the most out of the experiences that we've had. 100%. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's awesome seeing how you guys have adapted with those with socially distant worship clubs. Like, I, obviously leading congregational worship is in your blood and it's it's what you guys obviously love doing. So it's great to see you kind of continue to do that in a, yeah. in a different way. I, it was I, it was one of those things where um, it was a little bit out of context as well. You know, we're not, because a lot of time we go, we go and we play concerts. Um, we do the same thing every night. So it was fun yeah. just trying to, we're just, we're not as good as we used to be at just doing worship. Yeah, you know, we're not the band you asked to come on Sunday morning and lead worship because we're not, it's just, we're not the best at it. <laughs> I mean, talking about Sunday worship though, like obviously this year has been a difficult year for a lot of people who work in churches, who, right. who attend churches. But on the other side of it, there's this also like this huge kind of like, smack in the face to the church of like look this is real life this is what people are going through right how do you think the church as a whole is kind of adapted to this time and how do you think this can be a time for the global church i guess to be more proactive in leaving the building and going out to people right yeah i it's been it's been really um good for people to realize that church isn't the service mm. you know hasn't it because I don't know. I don't know about you or or the folks listening, but after a couple of weeks of uh, streaming church services online, I've started to like not really enjoy it. Mm. Um, you know, there was something about sure the talk was good, or oh that was nice to have the worship band play, and it's you know great to see everybody putting the time and effort into all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, if it hasn't got my brothers and sisters in Christ beside me, and there's not that sense of community. It just felt a lot more hollow. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that was a, a good realization for us all, wasn't it? Um, and then, yeah, it, we've we've connected with our neighbors and the people around us. There's that more of that sense of togetherness, I think, mm. and just being able to be in that uh, as a Christian voice and being able to you know, bring the peace and, you mm. know, and live by example and all of that has been has been really great. It's a fun time for us as Christians because uh, we are we're really being watched. Let's mm. just say that people are watching us to see how we deal with uh, adversity. Yeah. And, and to be honest, we should be the best at it. <laughs> yeah. We aren't always, <laughs> but we understand that our savior uh, struggled and that he went through suffering and that suffering is part of our story. And um, mm. that's why whenever God became Emmanuel and put on flesh and blood, that he made suffering part of his story. Mm. Um, so just being able to encourage your neighbors and uh, yeah, and, and speak for and speak for the love of God. Love that. That's really great. And I guess for those who are listening, who might, who would be following Ren from before, who may be aspiring worship leaders themselves, like what tips do you have for them out of like your journey from start to, well, not start to finish, not done yet. <laughs> oh, not done yet. I know we're certainly been finished. <laughs> but yeah, what, what kind of learnings do you have for people who may be in a similar position? Yeah. I, I, I struggle a little bit with the, um, the fact that uh, being a worship leader is now a career choice. Mm. 
you know, churches paying worship leaders. I do struggle with that. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, it would be hypocritical for me to say that it's it's wrong because I get paid to do that, and that mm. is uh, that is my job. Um, however, I did it for fifteen years for free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know, um, so what I would very much encourage people who are aspiring worship leaders is that this isn't a platform for you to get your rock star feelings. Uh, satisfied mm-hmm. uh, this is this is a service platform and if you do want to be a rock star and you're you know you're 15 and you're listening to this or one of your kids wants to be a rock star and so he's leading worship in church i would just say don't even bother with doing worship just go and be a rock star mm-hmm. and go and do it for the glory of god and go and be awesome and go and be who you are and and bring the Spirit of God into that world. But if you want to be a servant and you want to serve the church and you want to write songs because that's just what you love to do and it's in you and you want to lead people and all of that, then then do pursue lead and worship, you, you know. Yeah. Have a backup plan. Get a real job too so that you don't have to put the pressure on the church to pay your wages. Mm. Um, and if something else happens and it becomes a job, fantastic. But... We kind of tell people, if you're getting paid for being a worship leader, it should be because you're being a pastor. You're encouraging people. You're, mm. you're, that's what you're getting paid for. And the fact that you're playing music is just your, your hobby and your service. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> so, great advice. You know, I, I, think that's, I think that's the way to go. I certainly believe there should be rock stars for God. Um, yeah. But I also believe that there should be servants in the church. 100%. And... What are your plans for 2021? What's Rand Collective up to? Well, it all depends on this vaccine, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have decided that the UK and Europe tour will definitely go ahead. And that cool. is in the autumn of 2021. So I think September is a good enough time for us to get it all together mm-hmm. um, and to hopefully have... Er- everything back to semi-normal. I don't know whether the same tickets will sell, if people will be more nervous. I'm really hoping not. I think think we'll all feel good. We'll all hopefully choose the vaccine for um, the fact that we can all get back to normal. I don't Mm. know. I'm even nervous to talk about taking a vaccine because there's so (laughs) many people, you know, who are paranoid about it. It's going to kill us all or whatever it is it's, it's the mark of the beast apparently somebody told me the other day where they're going to be uh just check for for um nanobite technology with chips in it so that's i'll keep i'll keep an eye on that for sure uh but I, yeah something like that that's our plans up until yeah. then i think we're just going to you know uh write some songs uh, continue to do some stuff online. We actually just did a Christmas concert there uh, this weekend and had thousands of people from all over the world, which was cool, tuning awesome. in. So we might do something like that again. Bar that, uh, just, you know, stay-at-home dad, stay-at-home mom. That's kind of that's kind of the life. Awesome. That sounds great. I mean, we'll be praying for you guys. I mean, hopefully, for all our sakes, next, next uh, autumn is absolutely a go-ahead. Cause yeah, I, I hope to, so. Yeah, I would love to live in that world. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, wouldn't it just be great to get together? I, I mean, 
I really, I would really hope that we'd have even more ticket sales just because, um, and people coming out the shows because I want to celebrate with people and to worship mm. with people. And um, to be honest, if I have to buy a ticket to my own concert, I would happily do it because I just want to get together with people yeah. and sing and celebrate and have a good time. So uh, let's, yeah, let's hope autumn is, is a go. great to hear from gareth there what stuck out to you listening back to that guys i loved um how he was speaking about joy and celebration and how actually to truly celebrate and embrace joy you do have to learn how to be honest with the bad times as well um because it just makes sense to me that if everything was just happy all the time it wouldn't be happy it would just be normal um so actually the ups and downs of life make the good times even better but we have to learn how to deal with the hard times and we've got to learn how to pray through them and lament um the way that people did in the bible as well so yeah i love that he brought that up yeah it's cool i think the thing i really enjoyed was the conversation around determining god's will for our lives and actually sometimes asking the question what's god's will for my life isn't always the best thing to do but how how about framing that as god's will for this week or god's will for the next five years because sometimes it can be so um, difficult for us to determine what god wants us to do and so we do nothing and so we go oh what's gonna what's god gonna do in our lives over the next 20 30 years and quite often that means that we miss the steps that are just in front of us um, and God is calling us to take the next step and if if we focus on what that next step is even in you know what is God saying today what is God saying this week then we'll be far more fruitful and ultimately God just wants us to take action whatever action that we we take when we're doing it in a way that is honoring to him and following him whatever action that is uh, he will be there with us anyway and I think that's a really important part of it 100% I think both your points kind of speak into something he mentioned about kind of like when you get to your early, your late teens, early 20s as a Christian, uh, I guess life starts to become a lot more grey. There's more shades of grey than the black and white, which you're kind of taught to expect. Um, and yeah, difficult things happen in life and like the reality, facing the reality of poverty and injustice is like a massive thing. And, and I do think... Uh, it's incredible that that's how Ren started in the first place was that it's actually about friends meeting up and actually saying you know what is there some way we can offer mentoring and support through the music that we make actually through these difficult times so it's not just another like happy clappy song but actually a song that sits in the reality of what life is as well as worshiping God so yeah I thought that was really amazing Great. Thanks both for joining me and thank you to those at home listening. We'll be back again on the 18th of January with another episode. If you like what you heard today, make sure you hit subscribe and follow us on Instagram at We Are Tear Fund. <laughs>